sing to you. <coughs> After this, I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white, with palm branches in their hands. They cried out in a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying,
So do you do you believe there will ever be a day when all that has gone wrong is made right? Do you believe there will ever be a time when all who have suffered will be comforted? Will there ever be a season when those who grieve with broken hearts learn to dance in joy again? When all who lived with the handcuffs of oppression know liberation? When those whose bodies are broken and whose spirits are enslaved and whose hearts are shattered? Will be made whole. I, I don't mean a day in our lifetime, maybe not even a day in time, but maybe beyond. But do you think there is a promised day of God when, in the mercy and love of God, all that has gone wrong is made right? Or do you believe that life is just a roll of dice and you get what you get? good or bad, it just happens the way it happens. It is a purposeless accident. And so you might as well take care of yourself. Which do you believe? The writer of Revelation says there is a promised day of God and that in the providence of God, in God's promised day, everything that has gone wrong is going to be made right. I believe that. So there's a, a guy named Martin. We were friends at an earlier season in my life. I don't know where he is now. I met Martin in American history class in college. And Martin worried about me. He, uh, in his church, they taught him that the world was coming to an end, probably at night, and we would be surprised. Can't be at night everywhere in the world. Well, I guess maybe if they try and work it out that way, they can. I don't know. But he worried about me, and there was something about me that convinced him that I wasn't ready for this. Um, and I think he was right about that. I was, I was trying to figure out how to pass American history. And more important than that, I was trying to figure out if it was possible for me to get a date with a girl named Brenda. Um, turns out history was easier. <laughs> so Martin worried about me, and I didn't worry about this at all, and that made Martin worry about me even more. And he told me that he would hate for Jesus to return and me not be ready, which would be a bummer, I suppose. Now, look, I was in college. I was no biblical scholar, but something in my gut told me that the end of the world is not something that I should be afraid of. Not because it's not going to happen. It's going to happen. The, the world is a creature. It's finite, like you and me and birds and flowers and stars, it, it had a beginning and it'll have an end. It's gonna end. I just wasn't sure why that expression of finitude had to be associated with sin and judgment. Why did that need to be something that we feared? But I had never read Revelation. I wish I hadn't told that to Martin. That, that was a long night. I, I wish I hadn't told him. Uh, but I had never read Revelation, and I thought, maybe I'm missing something. Well, look, since college, I've studied Revelation a good bit, and I'm glad I have. I'm going to surprise you. The theology at the core of this strange book is a baseline, foundational theological commitment in my own faith. 
and I talk to you about it every week, you just don't know where I got it. You see, the first thing that I think my friend Martin missed is the tone of this book. It's not a threat. It's a promise. And the promise is communicated most clearly through singing. Revelation is filled with songs of praise, with songs of defiance, with songs of hope. This apocalyptic literature, these images are big. He talks about dragons and battles, and, and yet all through this, the congregation joins in singing hymns of praise. And even with all this complicated language, if I understand it, the point of John who writes Revelation, the point of John is pretty simple. His point is this. Jesus is Lord. He was Lord in the beginning. He's Lord now. And in the end, he will be Lord. As far as I can tell, John makes absolutely no attempt to tell us when or how the world would end. Not only did he not know, he didn't care about that. He makes no attempt to provide a schedule. John simply wants to say, in the end, Jesus is still Lord. Now, my friend Martin, he had a schedule, and he's not alone in that. Many through the centuries have read this book and interpreted it in that fashion. One of the earliest ones was a guy named Montanus. He lived in the second century, and he read Revelation and was convinced that Jesus would return and the holy new city would descend in a little village called Pepuza, which is now in modern Turkey. It didn't happen. If you think you missed something, you didn't. It, it, it didn't happen. Montanus's failure has not discouraged others throughout the centuries of trying to find a schedule of their own. In the 1880s, followers of William Miller discerned that Jesus would return in April of 1884. April of 1884. In May of 1884, they said maybe October of 1884. And in 1885, they quit talking. That didn't stop in the last 20 years. A guy named Tim LaHaye from writing a whole series of books called The Left Behind Books. Don't read these. The Left Behind Books includes Left Behind for Kids. Really? And includes the Wrath of God trilogy. Uh, if that's not enough for you, there's a Left Behind movie. You can get a Left Behind t-shirt. You can get the Left Behind board game, which I think serves no purpose unless you happen to be Left Behind, and that will give you something to do. Why are all these people trying to find a schedule? This is what I think. Uh, this is what I honestly think. They're reading Revelation without paying attention to the context in which Revelation was written. Now look, everything in Scripture was written in a certain context. And knowing that context is important in understanding the Word. And if I understand this book, John says Jesus is Lord from the top of his heart. He proclaims Jesus is Lord. Why does he have to say that so boldly? Because the world in which we live, it is not often obvious that Jesus is Lord. Because the world in which we live is awash with suffering and oppression, abuse, 
somehow frighten them, the world is going to end, so get your house in order unless you are surprised. No, Revelation was written to the oppressed who were afraid that the world might not ever end, that the way things are now might always be. Revelation was written to them to say, no, it will not always be this way. It was written to those who live life on the bottom. You hear it in the text. John has a vision, said he sees a great multitude that comes from every nation, and the elder says, who are these people clothed in white? They come before the throne of God singing praise to God. And the response is, you know who they are. These are the ones who have come out of the great ordeal. These are the ones who have endured. talking about this. In the year 112, Pliny the Younger, governor of Bithynia, wrote a letter to Roman Emperor Trajan, and he said this, I've never been present with you at the interrogation of Christians. Therefore, I do not know how far such investigations should be pushed and what sort of punishments are appropriate. I also am uncertain as to whether age it makes any difference or whether the very young are dealt with in the same manner as adults, nor whether repentance and renunciation of Christianity is sufficient, or whether the accused are still considered criminal because they were once Christian even if they have renounced it now. In the meantime, I have proceeded this way. Any who have been denounced to me as Christian, I have asked them if they are indeed believers in Christ. If they say yes, I ask them a second and third time under the penalty of death. And if they persist in their confession, I have them executed. Who are these people? These are they who have come out of the great ordeal. It is to these saints who have confessed Christ as Lord and known suffering. It is to these that John writes and says, hang on. It won't always be this way. Don't give up and don't give in. Hang on. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. The former things will pass away. Hang on for the promised day of God is coming. Then John gives him a song to sing. Because when life is hard, when the struggle seems overwhelming, when our bodies and souls have been broken, we sing. My life goes on and endless song. Above is lamentation. I hear that
friend Martin didn't understand. The Revelation isn't written to the comfortable as some kind of threat. No, it's a letter of encouragement written to those on the bottom. Written to those whose life is hard and greatest fears that might not ever change. That this is just the way of things and life will always be this way. And to them, John writes and says, hold on. It's not always going to be this way. There's a promised day coming. Sometime, God will make everything wrong and, and will make it right. And you know folks who need to hear this. You know folks on the bottom. You know folks whose life is suffering. Just, just, just one example. Catholic Church, which has done so much good, so much good, that the Catholic Church is holding a four-day summit because it has been obvious for far too long that far too many priests have had a practice of abusing children and women, some of them nuns, and most appalling, this boys' club has allowed this to be an accepted culture in the church. It is shameful and embarrassing to every Christian. And for those struggling, for those who come out of the great ordeal of past abuse or present abuse, Revelation is written to them to say, hang on. Do not allow the abuse heaped on you to be that which defines you. It doesn't. There's a promised day coming when you will be whole and right. So hold on. Revelation is not some threat of some eternal judgment. It's exactly the opposite. Revelation proclaims Jesus is Lord. The government is not Lord. The nation is not Lord. Capitalism is not Lord. Privilege is not Lord. Jesus is Lord. And so we can say to the poor and to the broken, to the passed by, to the sick, to the abused, to the injured, Jesus is Lord because the love of God has called you by name and will never let you go. So when the great ordeal comes, Yesterday, in a sanctuary that was filled ribcage to ribcage, many from across the city and across the nation gathered to remember the music, and the passion, and the ministry, and the magic that was Mark Ball. In that service, he ended with singing. We had to. We had to. As we sang, there were tears. Sometimes the most honest songs are sung through tears. My life grows on in this song above its lamentation. I hear that clear and far away. I 
state of France. I didn't know that Charles de Gaulle had a daughter aunt who was born with Down syndrome. This little girl captured his heart. Regardless of what was going on with matters of state, de Gaulle would come home for a while each day to play with his daughter. And at night, when Charles and his wife Yvonne put their daughter to bed, they would say their prayers together, and as they left the room, it is recorded that Yvonne would often share the heartbreak of the mother's heart. Why can't she be like all the others? I will never understand why she can't be like all the others. I had prayed that she could be like all the others. And I, before reaching adulthood, I had a service, Catholic Mass, for her, and as everyone else had left, Yvonne could not leave. And it says that Charles de Gaulle went to his wife and said, come along, Yvonne. It's all okay now. She is at last, like all the others. It's all okay. She is like the others. Do you believe there'll be a day when all that has gone wrong is made right? believe there'll be a day when all who have suffered will be comforted. Do you believe there'll be a day when all who grieve will know joy again? Do you believe there'll be a day when those who have lived knowing only the handcuffs of oppression will know liberation? Do you believe there'll be a day when those who battle the evils of poverty will find themselves welcomed at the table and those who have walked this earth oppressed because of ethnicity will be valued because of what is in their hearts and that all of us, our inadequacies and our limits will be like God intends us to be? Do you believe that God will someday make it all right? believe it is the only logical result of a God who loves you by name with a love that will never let you go. So a day will come when we hunger no more and we thirst no more and God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. As people of faith, we live toward that promise yet. So until that day, we will work for justice. And until that day, we will speak the truth. And until that day, we will pay attention to the weak and the pass by. Until
until that day we will be generous in love and quick to forgive and until that day we will not stop singing my life goes on in endless song Trumpet sound. I want to hear you call 
Thank you.